Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc SOAP and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Fusion Church, 6 a.m. SOAP. How you feeling? You ready? We are in day whatever it is of the Daniel fast. Um, I hope you guys are doing amazing. Um, I'm sure you guys have, you know, gotten past, you know, the caffeine headaches and, you know, all those, you know, the the, the things that we're, we're detoxing for our, our bodies. Now we're kind of, we're kind of in the groove now, right? We've been doing it for, for over a week. You know, we got this guys, you know, we got this only about a week and a half left. Easy, easy. Right. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, Hoping and praying that as you are spending more time in the word, more time praying and, and speaking with the Lord, that he's just revealing things to you. He's just opening up your mind you're, as the as the sugars and the, the caffeine has left your body, you know, and, and uh, the, the fog of that stuff is lifted. And now you're able to see things clearer, you know, so um, come on, stick with it, guys. If you guys mess up, if you guys, you know, you eat something, hey, ain't, ain't the end of the world, right? It's not the end of the world. Just get right back on it and keep going, right? Because God, every every single year, God does amazing things during this fast. And, and so, um, come on, we're excited. Today, we are in Daniel 8, continuing the book of Daniel. This is a um, a, a, a chapter in 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 um in Daniel, where he's talking about uh, prophecies of of end times and, and future times, um, so um, it, this can get a little confusing when we're reading a lot of the imagery and and you know a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. But hopefully, um, together we can break this down a little bit, just to make it allow to make a little bit more sense to us. All right, um, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for 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 who you are and what you were doing for us, Father. Uh, during the, especially during this time of fasting and prayer, Lord God, I pray that that you would just reveal more from your word to us, Father. I pray that those things that we've read perhaps dozens of times have never really made sense, Father. That that we'll begin to see more clearly what you've been trying to speak to us, Lord. So be with us during this time, Father. Um, I pray there be your words that are heard, not mine, Father. We just love you in Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. All right. Daniel 8, and I am reading from the New King James Version. In the third year of the, of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after one that appeared to me the first time. I saw in the vision, and it so happened while I was looking that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. <clears throat> then I lifted my eyes and saw, and there, standing beside the river, was a ram, which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. I saw the ram <clears throat> excuse me, pushing westward, northward, and southward, so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. 
Then he came to the ram, which had two horns, which had he I had seen standing beside the river and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. He was moved with rage against him, attacked the ram and broke his two horns. There was no power in the ram to withstand him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was no one that could deliver the ram from his hand. Therefore, the male goat grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken. And in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it came down, and it cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the hosts, and by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and prospered. <clears throat> then I heard a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to the, that certain one who was speaking, how long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Verse 15. <clears throat> then it happened when I, Daniel, had seen the vision and was seeking the meaning that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai who called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, son of man, that the vision refers to the time of the end. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in, <clears throat> I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground and he touched me and stood me upright. And he said, look, I am making known to you what shall happen in the latter time of the indignation. For at the appointed time, the end shall be the ram which you saw having the two horns. They are the kings of Media and Persia. And the male goat is the kingdom of Greece. The large horn that is between its eyes is the first king. As for the broken horn and the four that stood up in its place, four kingdoms shall rise out of that nation, but not with its power. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall rise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the princes, the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without human means. And the vision of the evening and the mornings, which was told, is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. <clears throat> and I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Amen. All right. So. <clears throat> it's a lot to take in. A lot of it doesn't really make sense, um, but we're going to get into it. Uh, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, um, verse 1, this vision happened while Babylon was still securely in power, and Belshazzar was a successor to King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, uh, he would, may have been his grandson. I'm not exactly sure where the lineage of that is, but he's probably a grandson. And though the vision will deal with the emergence um, and destiny of the Greek Empire. The at this point, the Greek Empire wasn't much of anything um, at the time that the, that the prophecy came to Daniel. 
So it would have been kind of interesting for Daniel to hear this interpretation and and hear like you know talk about the Medo-Persian Empire and the the, the Greek Empire and and but at this time the Greeks they were really they really weren't anybody you know they were they were a, a small people in the Mediterranean area and so um, so Daniel probably was like yeah what well, that doesn't really make sense but okay let let let's go with it in verse three it says a ram which had two horns. Uh, verse 20 is going to tell us that this ram was that, that the the ram is clearly identified as the Medo-Persian Empire which which was is going to succeed the Babylonian Empire and it, and it and it wasn't a stretch for to use a ram um to represent the Medo-Persian Empire because the the Persian ruler um he always he wore a, a the head of a ram um when he was in front of his army the ram was the national emblem of Persia um, a ram was stamped on Persian coins. Um, so a ram represented Persia. Uh, two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. This was an accurate prediction um, of the partnership between the, the Medes and the Persians who made up the Medo-Persian Empire. The, the Persians were larger and stronger, right? One was higher than the other. The end, and the Persians also emerged after the Medes. It says the higher one came up last. And then it says in verse five, a male goat comes from the west. The male goat was was clearly identified um, with with Greece, and its horns are identified with the rulers of the Greek Empire. And from ancient history, we know um, uh, this wasn't a strange symbol either. Because a goat was a common representation of the Greek Empire. It says, uh, and so um, it says, across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. This prophetic description of the male goat was proved accurate regarding the Greek Empire as well. The Greek Empire rose from the west um, of, of, of all the previous empires. It rose with, with great speed. The word said suddenly without touching the ground. It had a notable ruler. In Alexander the Great, where it says a notable horn, it had a it had a famous war with the Medo Persians. Right, it says I saw him confronting the ram, and um, they hated the Greeks, hated the the Medo Persians, right? And, and it moved with power, it moved with rage. Some of the greatest and fiercest battles in all of ancient history were fought between the Greeks and the Persians. The Greeks, the Greek Empire um, conquered the Medo-Persian Empire. Um, it says no one that could deliver the ram from his head, right? Uh, uh, the reign of the, of the notable leader of the Greeks was suddenly cut short. It says the larger horn was broken. After the reign of Alexander the Great, the Greek Empire was divided among his four rulers, it says, in place of the uh, of it, four notable horns came up. The four rulers of the Greek Empire ruled their own um, dominion, not the entire empire as a whole. It said, um, Alexander the Great, he did not divide his empire, but it was divided after his death amongst his, his four generals. And each of his four generals, they took a province, you know, one over Greece and its regions, one over Asia Minor, another over Syria and the Israel and area of Israel, and the fourth um, took control over Egypt. It says the male goat grew very great. That the greatness of Alexander's empire um, not uh, was not only in its vast dominance, but also in its cultural power. 
Alexander the Great was determined to spread Greek civilization and culture and language across the every single land um, that he conquered. And as, as God guided history, he used Alexander's passion to spread Greek culture to prepare the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. God guided history, right? And he used Alexander's passion to spread Greek culture to prepare the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of his influence, Greek, Greek became the common language of the civilized world and the language of the New Testament. So think about this, guys. This is hundreds of years, right? right? This prophecy is hundreds of years even before Alexander the Great and the Greeks. And Alexander the Great was hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus. And so, so God was already preparing the way, right? Preparing the way for Greek culture to be spread so far so that the New Testament, New Testament could be written in Greek and it would be easy for everyone to understand. That's how God works. God works a thousand steps ahead of everything. Right? God knows the end from the beginning. He knew what was going to happen, so he's orchestrating things. Verse 9 says, a little horn which grew exceedingly great. This was, was fulfilled in one of the, the successors of Alexander the Great. Since the dominion um, of this horn was extended, it says, toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land, we can identify um, the historical fulfillment of this little horn as an individual by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who, who ruled over Syria and Israel. Um, when, it, when it says the glorious land in Hebrew, the, the, the same term was used as the land of Israel. And we can see Israel, the glorious land, as the center of the world. Because it is Israel is the nerve center of civilization from the days of Abraham. It's the truth center at which flowed God's revelation to man. It's the storm center of warring nations ever since the time of Joshua. Since the time of Joshua, people have been fighting over Israel. It's also the peace center of the earth, earth which is going to be during the millennial reign of Jesus. And it's also the home center for the Jewish people forever, forever and ever. Israel will always be the home of, of the Jewish people. I don't care what you're reading in, on the news or you're seeing on the news. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what social media says. Israel is the home of the Jewish people. It has been. It always will be. Period. Dot. End of conversation on that. Israel is so important, not just in it, within biblical times, but Israel is important even today. Verse 11 says he even exalts himself as, as high as the prince of the host. Antiochus Epiphanes was, was an accurate and, and a dramatic fulfillment of his prophecy. So much so that, that critics insist that the book of Daniel must have been written after the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. Right? It was such an accurate prophecy. Right? Antiochus, he, he exerted his dominion. Right, the word says toward the south, toward the east, and toward the land of Israel. He murdered rulers and persecuted the people of, of Israel. He says he cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He blasphemed God and commanded idol worship be directed towards himself. 
It says he exalted himself as high as the prince of the hosts. He stopped temple sacrifices in Jerusalem. It says by him, the daily sacrifices were taken away and he desecrated the temple. The place of the sanctuary was cast down, it says. Verse 10 says, yeah, he cast down some of the hosts and some of the stars to the ground. Um, hosts and stars are symbols within the Old Testament for, for angels, for, for kings and leaders, or even the people of God at large. It's all, all symbolism. This, this prediction was fulfilled in, in Antiochus Epiphanes and his attacks against the rulers and against God's people in, uh, in general. He was, he was an infamous persecutor of the Jewish people. He wanted them to, them to submit to Greek culture, to Greek rule, to Greek customs, and was more than willing to use murder and violence to force them to do that. In December of, of 168 BC, Antiochus ordered his generals to seize Jerusalem, and, and it was on a Sabbath. He, ha he, he had them lift up an idol of Zeus in the temple. And he desecrated the altar by offering um, a, a swine, you know, and, and pigs were, were against the law, of, uh, you know, still are against, against uh, uh, Jewish customs, Jewish rules. And, and he sprinkled um, pig's blood on the sanctuary. And because of that, sacrifice stopped for a time in the temple because it had been desecrated. Verse 13 says, then I heard a holy one speaking. Many think that this nameless holy one um, is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus, right? And all throughout the, New, uh, the Old Testament, we know Jesus has appeared. He speaks, right? Um, and but but and, and as this while this is possible, there there still isn't enough um, evidence for us to be sure that this was actually Jesus. It says in verse 14, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. This amazingly, this, 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 this amazingly specific prophecy was written 350 years before the time of Antiochus Epiphanes. 350 years. That's wild, right? How accurate this prophecy is. Great prophetic fulfillment like this demonstrates that God not only knows the future, but he also guides the future. God knows the future and he guides the future. He makes sure things are going to happen because he knows it's going to happen. Verse 17 says the vision refers to the time of the end. Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, assured Daniel that this vision had to do with end times. And this is a problem for some because we see we see the prophecy from verses one through fourteen, how they were fulfilled in the in the you know in the in the days of the the Medo-Persian Empire and the and, and the Greek empires, right? Because but when it talks about time of the end and and latter time of indignation, this is this is commonly referred to what we think of as the end times, not events that were fulfilled, you know, you know, hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. And although this, this this prophecy was fulfilled in in the life of Antiochus Epiphanes, it is also a later fulfillment of the Antichrist, referring to the time of the end. Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes is sometimes called the Antichrist of the Old Testament, 
because of all the 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 vile things he did, you know, and just the horrible things that he did to the Jewish people specifically, you know, and he he prefig prefigures the Antichrist of the end times. Antiochus he rose to power with 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 force with intrigue, right? With cunning. So will the Antichrist. Antiochus, he persecuted the Jews. So will the Antichrist. Antiochus, he desecrated the temple. So will the Antichrist. And Antiochus, he seemed, he seemed to be a complete success, right? By all appearances, he was a, a success in what he did. And so will the Antichrist. Verse 25 says, and there's there's so many more verses we can go, you know, from around 21 to 24, you know, we can go line by line on, on how, you know, all these things were fulfilled. Um, but um, I, I want to get back, I want to get to verse 25. <clears throat> he shall cause de deceit to prosper, both the rule of Antiochus in the past and, and of the Antichrist in the future are marked by deceit. Second Thessalonians 2, uh, beginning with verse 9, says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the work of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Verse 10, And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. It says, He shall exalt himself in his heart. The coins of Antiochus Epiphanes were inscribed with the title Theos Epiphanes, which means God manifest. Antiochus saw himself as a god. And he wanted the Jewish people to worship him. He wanted all his subjects to worship him. You know, it's the equivalent of our coins to say, in God we trust, right? But look, think of it as his coin saying, in Epiphanes we trust. In Antiochus, we trust. The coming Antichrist will also exalt himself. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 says, So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. Though Antiochus hated um, the people of God and fought against them, it was really because he hated God. And the same will be true of the coming Antichrist who will hate the Jews because he hates God. Listen, sometimes there are people in your life, people you come across, people you interact with, who appear to hate you, and it's not that they hate you. It's that they hate who you represent. They hate who you follow. They hate who you worship, right? For a myriad, myriad of reasons. There are people who have been hurt by people in the in, in the capital C church, right? The big church. And so they see you as a Christ follower. They see you going to church every Sunday. They see you serving on a team. They see you being involved with small groups. They see maybe they, they see you leading a small groups. They see you with your Fusion Church bumper sticker. They hear you listening to your worship music. They hear the way you're acting. They hear the way you speak to people, and they hate it because they know you represent God. And in their eyes, God is the one who hurt them when it wasn't. 
It was people. People, fallible creatures, people who mess up, right? And they blame God. And so because they blame God, they blame you. Because they hate God, they hate you. Listen, you ain't got to worry about that. They don't, you ain't got to worry about that. Jesus even said, you know, they hated me first, he says. They persecute, persecuted you, but they persecuted me first. You know? So I know some of us, especially when we're dealing with, with close family members and friends, you know, and, and you may deal with some backlash because of, of your faith. You deal with some issues because of what you stand on. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it's because they hate God. They're angry with God. They're upset with God. So what do we have to do? Just pray for them. Just pray for them. Because there's nothing you can do, say, that's going to that's gonna change anything. They're going to believe what they want to believe. They're going to feel what they want to feel. All you can do is pray for them and continue to be that light. Continue to be that example. Because I'm going to tell you right now, there are people on this call right now, there are people within the church who have dealt with issues like this. And years down the road, they get a phone call. Years down the road, they got a knock on their front door. And that same person who, who hated them, who treated them like garbage, is now saying, we need to talk. Tell me about this God that you serve. We need to talk. I need some answers. I need some help. I need some direction. I need some guidance. And if what's crazy is the person that they hate, they've hated so, so long, we're just going to point them in the direction of him. And that's when they're ready to receive a word. That's when they're ready to receive an encounter with Jesus Christ. That's when they're ready. The scales have been lifted from their eyes. And now when God's speaking to them, now they're actually hearing it. Antiochus Epiphanes hated God. And who knows the real reason why? Probably had to do with because, you know, any any God that was above him, he couldn't handle. And rulers during that time, you know, in, in, in the ancient times, they were kings, emperors, whatever they were, they viewed themselves as gods, right? Because they were so powerful. And so anything that he considered a threat, he was going to go against. Anything he considered a threat, he was going to go against. It says he would be broken without human means. History tells us that Antiochus, he died of disease. Not by the hand of man. He didn't die in a war. He wasn't murdered. But he just died of a disease. In a similar way, no man, no man, quote unquote, will defeat the Antichrist. But Jesus will strike him down. Our Lord, our Savior, our God, Jesus Christ, will strike him down. Revelation 19.20 says, Then the beast was captured, and with, with him the false prophet, who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Our word tells us what's going to happen. We know through history what happened to Antiochus Epiphanes, and our word tells us what's going to happen to the Antichrist. Verse 26 says, therefore, seal up the vision. Daniel must do this because in his day, the vision referred to, to a period in the, in the far distant future from his fulfillment. But for us, the time is near. 
Revelations 1.3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these those things which are written in it for the time is near. And the book has been unsealed. Revelation 22.10 says, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. The time is at hand. Listen, guys, a lot of us who have been a part of the church, you know, we, we, we say we're in the end times, right? End times. We're in the end times, right? You know, <clears throat> I don't know if we're in the end days, end hours, the end minutes, but I'm telling you, the end is near. You look around what's happening in, 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 in our world, in our country, the craziness that people are trying to do, they're trying to pass and make okay. The downright sin, sin, I'm going to call it out. If I get in trouble, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but I still don't care. Sin that is being made okay in our government, in our nation, right? No one is going to convince me that the end is not near. No one is going to convince me that that um, uh, Christ is not, you know, getting prepared to bring up his church, right? So we have to be ready. We have to be ready, always ready always on guard because we just never know and we have to do whatever we need to do to bring as many people with us as possible we need to plunder hell and populate satan right and we don't and we don't need to care what anybody thinks you know why are we why do we care about the opinions of people who don't matter why do we care about people who who disparage us, who call us crazy, you know, who don't who don't who think that what we believe in is insane? You don't pay my bills. I don't care what you got to say. I believe the report of the Lord. Whose report will you believe? I will re believe the report of the Lord. This Bible is not just a book, brothers and sisters. This is not just a book. This is not a book of fairy tales. This is not a book of fantasy. This is a book of facts. Okay. And you believe me or not, but I'm telling you right now, this word says it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his church. And then we're going to really see the end times, the tribulation times, okay? And that's why things like fasting and prayer are so important because it lifts the scales off our eyes. It gets, lets us, allows us to see clear, to see in the spirit realm, to really see what's happening, to really hear what the Lord is speaking to us. When we put down social media, we put down TV or whatever it is, and now you have free time on your hands. Now it's quiet in your house. And I know a lot of us, we fill our home with junk, right? We fill our home with noise and sounds and social media and movie and TVs and this, that, and all this stuff. Why? To distract us, right? But the Lord is calling us to a time, brothers and sisters, of praying and fasting so that we remove all the junk and we can be quiet. Sometimes we just need to be quiet so we can hear what the Lord is trying to tell us. We need to be quiet because some of us, the Lord has been talking. He's been speaking to us. He's been screaming at us, trying to get our attention, but we're so distracted by all the other stuff that we can't hear him. And now, 
Now I pray that during this time of prayer and fasting, that the Lord will wake you up in the middle of the night because he's got a word for you. I pray that as you're sitting quietly meditating on him, that now his voice is speaking to you. Pick up a pen, pick up paper and write down what he's telling you. Pick up your pick up your pen and paper and write down the dreams that he's giving to you, the visions, right, that he's giving to you. This is the time, brothers and sisters, because I'm telling you that we, we don't have time to waste. We don't have time to waste because at any point, the Lord can come back. At any point, point, you could pass away. God can do whatever he wants to do, but we have to be ready. This prophecy from the book of Daniel, chapter 8, came to, to, to fulfillment 350 years later. But it also came to fulfillment, in the. it's going to come to fulfillment in the far future. That's how God works. So let's be ready, guys. Let's be ready. Real quick, verse 27 said he fainted and was sick and he was astonished. Daniel probably couldn't understand why God would allow such a, a mighty persecutor of his people to come to power and appear to be successful, right? It probably, he didn't understand it. <clears throat> but then it says he I went about the king's business. He didn't he didn't allow either the, the the spiritual mysteries that he didn't understand or or his own physical weakness to keep him from continuing his duties. <clears throat> and it says no one understood it. And it wasn't because God never wanted this prophecy to be understood. Right? There's no reason for God to reveal something to man that can never be understood. All right. We may not understand it right away, but God wants us to understand it. He wants to reveal it and on his time. That's the key on his time. You may have been given a vision. You may have been given a dream. Your calling may have been spoken to you and it makes no sense. You don't understand it. Right. There's no way. Right. But maybe you're not ready to understand it. Maybe you're not ready to believe it. And you got to go through some more of the process. You gotta, you, you gotta be go through more of the process. The reason why no one understood it was because this vision was sealed up in light of its ultimate fulfillment. Again, in Daniel's distant future. So come on, brothers and sisters, as we are, we are uh, about just about halfway through this Daniel fast, right? Close to halfway through. Keep pressing in. Keep moving forward. Keep allowing the Lord to speak to you. Be open to what he has to say. Be open. All right. Sometimes he's trying to speak to us and, and we hear what he's saying, but we, you know, we, we, we close our ears, you know, like, ah, I don't want to hear that. God, I don't want to, no, no, I don't want to hear that. And God's like, I'm speaking to you. And then, and then we have the audacity. We have the unmitigated gall to say, Lord, speak to me. And he's like, yo, I've been speaking. This is the perfect time. God is real. God is coming back. His word is true. His word is faithful, right? His word is an ever-present uh, comfort in a time of need. And I'm telling you guys, we have to be ready. So I pray that during this time of fasting and prayer, that he does speak to you. And I'm excited. I'm, I anticipate hearing some of the testimonies that are going to come out of this fast. Some of the, the stories that you're going to, that you guys are going to tell your respective leaders. And, and I'm telling you guys, when you, when you speak to your leaders, when you speak to the pastors in the church, it gets to the rest of the, of the, of the pastoral staff in the church. And we are blown away 
And then I know that, you know, when Pastor Brendan has his elders meetings, he tells the elders, right, about the miracles that are happening in the church, the testimonies that are happening in the church, right? So we need to hear that stuff, guys. Right. The word says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. We our testimonies need to be shared. So write it down. Pray on it. And I'm telling you, whatever God reveals to you during this time of fasting and prayer will come to pass. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for a story like Daniel's chapter eight of how you revealed things to Daniel. And although it was fulfilled 350 years later, Lord God, it was still fulfilled in its perfect timing, Lord. So, Father, we can stand on this and know with assurance that whatever you have revealed to us will come to pass. Lord, I pray for all of my brothers and sisters that are truly seeking your face, that are truly seeking a word from you, Jesus, that you will speak to them. And even if, they, if, even if they don't understand it, it's confusing to them, Lord, that they will write it down. And they will just say, Lord, in your timing. Because, Lord, your word says that all your promises are yes and amen. Your word is true. Your word is faithful. Father, I pray that you would just continue to speak to them as they go about their day, Lord. Reveal new things from your word to them. I pray for everyone on this call. Everyone listening on the podcast, listening on YouTube later on, that you just bless them, keep them, guide them. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I love y'all, and I'll see you again next week. God bless.